imagine that church is over, yay, and you're, you're driving home, and on the way home, you're at that intersection, well, let's, let's assume you're heading east, and you're at that major highway intersection, and as you proceed through on a green light, you get T-boned, just slammed in your car or truck or whatever minivan you're driving, just gets th- pushed across the intersection and glass is flying and, and it's, it's a bad accident. Okay, are you with me so far? So far everyone survived, but it's a bad accident. And the cops show up and they start doing their investigation and, and, uh, and you're telling them your, your side of the story and the other person's over there and the cops are looking at you with narrowing and narrowing eyes as you talk more and more and more. And then for no reason, they pepper spray you, which really hurts because of all the glass cuts all over your face. They pepper spray you and handcuff you. And as they're forcing you into the back of the squad car, you notice that all your church friends are driving by, watching this happen and not stopping. You with me so far? Okay, so you get shoved into the squad car. It still really hurts. And the squad car takes you to the station, and then for some reason they fast-track you to the main remand center in Winnipeg. And when you get there, they tell you, we're arresting you on acts of terrorism. And for some reason, even though it's a stat holiday, they haul you into court, and the judge finds you guilty and sentences you to be executed tomorrow. And as you're sitting in that cell with all your cuts and your bruises, realizing that all your friends have abandoned you because nobody's stopped and nobody's checked in on you, nobody's booked a meeting to come and see you in prison, and you're about to die, would you be thinking to yourself, this has been a good day. This is a good day. This is one of my top three, for sure. This has been a good day. I have been thinking about the fact that we call today Good Friday. Because if that Friday that happened to Jesus all those years ago had happened to you or me, the only way we would have called it good is if we were being so painfully sarcastic. That's been a good day. Am I right or am I wrong? Are you with me? I just need a little head nodding, just a tiny little bit of encouragement to keep me going. Thank you, folks. Why in the world would we ever call this day good? And we know that there's a few different ways that we use the word good, right? And that, that way that we were talking about a second ago, good, is when we, when we are enjoying something, we find something comfortable, we find something pleasant. That was a really good cup of coffee. What are we saying? Are we saying that it was so hot and acidic that it burned us all the way down into our throat and then, you know, it was made by me using one of those drip things so it was toxic and we threw it all back up so it was burned on the way down and burned all the way up. That was good. No, good cup of coffee is smooth. It's hopefully just been roasted in Rwanda just a few weeks ago and, and, uh, and David Lynn brought it back. Did, they sent out an email asking if anybody wanted them to bring back stuff. So hopefully some of you said coffee so that I can enjoy it with you. And uh, it's just pleasant, it's smooth, it's, it's wonderful. That's often what we mean by good. I enjoyed that. That is obviously not what we mean by Good Friday when we refer to Jesus' crucifixion all those years ago. There's another sense of good, and that's 
kind of a useful good, and there's a deeper sense of good, as in a moral good or a spiritual good. And those are the senses together, which is why I think we call Good Friday Good Friday. I want to read to you a story from the book of Acts. And you might think this is a strange place to go, but just bear with me. This is Acts chapter 4, and what has happened is that John and Peter have gone to the temple, and they prayed for a guy, and he got healed. And as the crowd started to gather around this guy, freaking out because he got healed, can I just tell you, um, even in the Old New Testament times when there were lots of healings, people were surprised when there was healings. Okay, so we can't just say, oh, back in the old days, everybody was superstitious and believed in magic, and so they were just used to this stuff, and they expected it all the time. No, 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 no. When a real healing took place, everybody freaked out the same way we would, too, because it was really rare, and even though they said it was possible, it was just not probable. And so they healed this guy in the temple, and everybody's freaking out, and as the pr- crowds come, Peter and John are preaching about Jesus. And then the leaders of Uh, Judaism at the time, the people in charge of the temple who were involved in getting this Jesus crucified a few months earlier find out about the preaching, and they don't like it. You you can empathize with that, you know. (laughs) Stop preaching about this guy that I feel guilty about having killed. Um, That is kind of human nature. And so they arrest Peter and John, and they they hold them for a time, and they interrogate them, and after, they, they want to do bad things to Peter and John except that they know that this guy's walking around and that the popular push, the, the, the crowds are on Peter and John's side. And so they know they can't really do much about it or there's going to be a riot. So they just threaten them, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And this story that I'm about to read you is how the church responded. And you can imagine that if people who just killed Jesus are now threatening you, you know they mean business. Okay, This isn't an idle threat. This is, they mean business. Now listen to how the church responds to this threat to stop preaching about Jesus. This is Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were together, were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So they're done quoting Psalm 2. And they say, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with all the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do... What did they do when they all gathered against Jesus? They arrested him. They beat him up. They tortured him. They wrongfully convicted him. They wrongfully sentenced him. They used a courtroom to murder him. And then they crucified him, torturing him to death. Okay, so that's what actually happened, right? This is what they're referring to. But what do they call it? They say this. All these people were gathered against Jesus... Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Okay? They're referring to every bad thing that happened on Friday, and they summarize it by saying, God, the whole world was gathered against Jesus to do exactly what you had planned and predestined to happen. 
Okay? And I'm trying to talk about why we call it Good Friday, why we can call it Good Friday, why don't we just call it Tragedy Friday, why don't we just call it Evil Friday, you know, that would probably be a bit more honest. Let's go celebrate Evil Friday at church. And it's like, what are you guys going to do after you're done your time at church? Burn things. No, there... Why do we call it Good Friday? When the early church was praying about being threatened to stop preaching about Jesus, they looked at Good Friday and they said, everything these evil people were trying to do to stop Jesus and all the evil that they did, they were just accomplishing everything that you, God, had planned to happen and predestined and accomplished by your own hand. So this is step one, why we can call it Good Friday, because God was accomplishing his good will through it. Amen? That's the main reason. God did it. Underneath all the evil over top, all the evil before and behind all the evil, God was accomplishing his best accomplishment, his most good thing he will ever do. He did it on Good Friday. It just looked so, so, so bad. And it really was, but God was working. Amen? Amen? Now, I want to go a little bit deeper because um, this is not the easiest teaching in the world. It's not kind of how you would just look at the world, read about it in the newspaper. God is revealing deep truths in here. And so we can kind of back off from it a little bit. And um, I want to go deeper and just try to prove from Scripture that this wasn't just kind of plan B, or this wasn't just God making the best of a bad situation. He actually was doing something pure goodness, even using, even planning to use the evil of people. Let me give you an illustration of why we need to go deeper. There is, um, let's talk about dirty diapers for a second. Are you okay with that? There are so many kids in this room that I know that everybody here has some experience with that, all right? Some of you are changing them, some of you are making them, but everybody has experience with dirty diapers, all right? Dirty diapers tend to come from two people saying, let's make a baby. Is that true? Okay, so we formulate this plan, and you you work on it, and you end up having a baby, and that baby, if it's healthy, and it's eating and doing its thing, it produces a lot of dirty diapers, right? Nobody plans to have a garage full of fly, maggot-infested things, used diapers, right? And it's great to have your kids kind of like late fall so that the dirty diapers sit in a frozen garage, not in a hot summer garage. Is, am I anybody else? I, the laughing, the people, you know it, you know it. There we go. Thank you. But nobody says what this house needs is a mountain of feces infested diapers. They go for the baby. You, you kind of end up with the diapers. And what I'm trying to say is that Good Friday was not that case. And the cross was not that case. Okay, what I'm saying is that everything that happened on Good Friday was God's plan, number one, to display his glory, to display his goodness, to display his love, and to show who he truly is to a world that doesn't want to know who he truly is. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to Isaiah, who was a prophet who prophesied about Good Friday hundreds of years before it happened with such details. And this isn't like something that we could say it, this was written hundreds of years before it happened and it really didn't happen. We have through the Septuagint, we have through um, the, the Qumran records or the Dead Sea Scrolls, we know that these books were written a long time before Jesus died. Okay? And so in 
uh, Isaiah 53, and I'm picking up a little bit halfway through this long poem, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. So if you're able to close your eyes, and that doesn't mean that Junior is going to run off on you, if you're able to close your eyes, I just want to invite you to listen to the words, listen to the description of what God has planned here through Good Friday. This is verse 1, he says, this is Isaiah speaking either on behalf of God or, or commenting on what God has done. He says, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's Jesus. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look on him. Yeah, he was born to a carpenter's son. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Did that happen on Good Friday? Yes, it did. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. So Isaiah is saying about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows. This characterized his life. He was sad all the time and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Was he smitten by God and afflicted? Yes, he died on a cross. And the scriptures say, if you die hanging on a tree, you're cursed by God. This is true. And he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, referring to the, the lines of gushing blood on Jesus' back as he was whipped before Pilate, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, do you guys hate oppression and judgment when you read about it on the news? By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And for, as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off, cut off out of the land of the living and stricken for the transgression of my people. He's saying nobody got it. When he died, nobody understood what God was doing. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. So this is a prophetic description of Good Friday and it's just bad, 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 but with a purpose. Now listen as I read verse 10, the depth of the purposefulness of what was accomplished. Isaiah says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. So who was crushing Jesus on the cross? God was. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. That is a prophetic picture of the gospel saving people. He shall see his offspring. If you believe in Jesus, you are a child of God. And he shall prolong his days is a prophetic picture of Jesus being raised from the dead in order to live forever. Has Jesus prolonged his days? How old is he now? He's somewhere around 2,000 years old. Is he old? Yeah, yeah he's old. He's older than your great-grandpa. He's old. He's prolonged his days. And the will of the Lord shall prosper in him, in his hand. Let's go a little bit deeper. Because in verse 10 it says, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And we can say, yeah, it's your will. But sometimes people will to do stuff and they kind of hold their nose and they do it because they know it needs to get done. But if you go into the Hebrew, it's translating the Hebrew word hafetz, which means pleasure or delight. It was the delight of the Lord to crush him. And in the hand of Jesus, the delight of God is accomplished. 
Okay, so Isaiah is saying that this act of Good Friday, all the evil that happens in it, it was God's delight to do it because of two reasons, I think. Number one, it shows off how awesome Jesus is, that his willingness to submit to the cross out of love for the Father, it shows off the glory of God. And number two, Jesus going to the cross is a sacrifice for sin. It's a way to have peace with God. It's a way for sinners to be rescued. It's a way for enemies of God to become children of God. It's a way for people who deserve the judgment of God to have the righteousness and peace of God. It's a way for people who deserve to go to hell to go to heaven forever. It is the greatest accomplishment of God. It is the goodest good that God would do, and so He is pleased to do it, even though He is using the ugliest of the ugliness of human sinfulness in order to accomplish it. And in fact, that's part of God's power. Okay? Let's go back to Acts. Let's go back to Acts. Give me your attention just a couple more minutes. After they're done saying that God has done whatever he wanted to through Good Friday, they pray, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and in signs and wonders that you perform that through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Excuse me. And when they prayed, that place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Okay, why is Good Friday good for us? Yes, it's, it's how we get saved, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, by putting our faith in that Lord, saying, I turn away from myself, and I turn to you. I can't do it. You can do it. I don't really like, I, like, I, I reject living isolated from you. I reject living on my own. I'm going to follow you now, Jesus. And we're saved and we're rescued and we enter into all the truth of what it means to be born again and to have new life and to be welcomed into the children of God. Yes, yes, yes. But this confession that Friday was a good day, this confession that everything evil done was God's plan is part of the church's like in your face to an evil world. It's kind of, they're getting uppity. This is their game time where they're grabbing the helmets of the other football players and smashing things together and kind of getting pumped up. Because what they're saying is, on the evil world's best day, all they did was exactly what God wanted. Amen? That's why we call it Good Friday. On Satan's best day, when he's been roid raging, when he's been eating the cliff bars and working out at the gym and, and hitting the long runs, and when he, on his best day, all he can do is exactly what my God wants him to do. Are you hearing me, church? This is a deep truth, and I wish I lived out of it more than I do. But this is why they were praying this. They were like, there are people with the power to kill us who want to kill us. So we're going to pray to the God who used the worst day of the world to do the best thing ever, and we're going to psych ourselves up a little bit, and then we're going to say, God, give us the Holy Spirit. We want to do exactly what they told us to stop doing. And God said, I like that prayer. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to send you out. Let me walk with you a little bit, because um, sometimes deep truths rattle our cages a little bit. And so as I'm reading scripture, and I hit, hit a deep truth, I look to scripture to tell me what to do with it, okay? Because we can take deep truths and we can do wrong things with it, okay? If I lend you my car, you can use it to drive to McDonald's to buy a chicken wrap, amen? And that's a good thing. I'll give you a high five for that. 
or you could use my car to play chicken and wrap it around a telephone pole. Amen? You guys like how I did that? Chicken wrap, or play chicken to wrap it around a telephone pole. I gave you the car, you do something good with it, do something not helpful with it, right? And so God gives us this truth, you can do something helpful with it, or you can do something unhelpful with it. And God demonstrates to us the helpful thing you're supposed to do is get pumped up on the sovereignty of God to do the will of God in missions. Amen? And not anything else. Not something uppity, arrogant, rude, or divisive. Amen? So church, this is my encouragement for you today. You're here worshiping God on Good Friday. If you think about it, this should be a day of mourning, not celebration. But we celebrate because we know that in the worst thing ever, God did the best thing ever. And so we're supposed to worship God and call to worship God and take our lives and all the worst things that have happened to us and all the hard things that happened to us and say, I know a God who is so wise and powerful that he could intend the best thing ever through the worst thing ever. God, would you take me? Would you take me? Take my hurts, take my harms, take the bad things I've done, take the things that have happened to me and, and fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me useful to you and in time reveal to me what you've been working on in everything. And amen. Amen? Let me pray for you, Greg. Do we have one more song we could end on? Father, I just thank you so much for Good Friday. I'm stunned, and I want to live out of this truth. Father, you know that I often don't. Father, you know that I often get really bugged, really irritated, and really discouraged. And Father, I pray that you would tweak my mind to know who you really are and the greatness of your power and goodness through all things. And Father, I pray that you bless each one of my friends here. Guys I, guys and gals, friends, I, I know that I don't know lots of you. And I don't know where you're at. But this I do know, that our hurts the kind of hurts that we have that were like what Jesus had, whether it's betrayal or physical pain or being in trouble and feeling like God's abandoned us, these are the number one reason around here why people walk away from the Lord. Do you know that? Feeling abandoned by God, feeling hurt by God, feeling betrayed by people in the church, this is the number one reason in my experience why people walk away from the Lord. And so I just want to call you to look afresh to the cross. Maybe you have been hurt at church. Maybe like Jesus experienced all the disciples running away from him in the time of his greatest pressure. You feel like people ran away from you. Well, don't turn away from God. Look at Jesus on the cross and how that was part of God doing the best thing for you that could ever happen to you. Amen? Maybe you feel like God wasn't there for you when you needed him. Well, look at Jesus crying out on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And how that crying out of being abandoned as a sinner and as sin, dying as a sin offering is part of the best thing that will ever happen to you. So I don't know where you're at, but if you're, you know that Jesus is real, you know that God is real, but you don't know how to trust him again, you're here on Good Friday for a reason. And if you'll come to him, you'll open up your heart to him. He can take everything and show you how he's been working good. Show you what he wants to make out of you. Can I tell you a truth? People who have hurt deeply in life are uniquely able to know God deeply in life.
People who have been hurt deeply in life are uniquely able to know the goodness and love of God in this life. And that's all about Good Friday. And people who have hurt deeply in this life are uniquely able to help other people through Jesus. And that's all about Good Friday.